0: Pastor Ed Taylor encouraging us to spend time in the Word each and every day.
1: Your life's going to be a train wreck if you're not in the Word of God. Because where else are you going to answer life's questions? Where else are you going to decide what decisions to make? How are you going to raise your kids? How, how, how are you going to make decisions on what to do at work? What kind of employee are you going to be? What kind of single person are you going to be? What kind of husband and wife are you going to be if you don't know what the Bible has to say about your life? How are you going to know God? How are you going to understand what He thinks about things? How are you going to adjust your life to the God that created you if you're not reading the Bible every day? How are you going to be encouraged? How are you going to be challenged? How are you going to be convicted? How are you going to grow if you're not in the Bible every day? Read your Bible every day. Read and pray every day. Just taking it in. Just taking the words in. You don't have to understand everything. Just take it in and read it. This is amazing grace. This
0: is amazing. When you were a child, did you have parents that would chart your growth on a wall in the house? There'd be little marks with a date beside it, showing just how much you've grown over the years. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'd like you to consider your spiritual maturity and growth. Are you growing as you should be? And how do we maintain our spiritual growth? Pastor Ed Taylor will use the acronym READ to help us remember four very important things relating to the Bible and spiritual growth.
1: And Jesus lays before us these six witnesses, which points us to the last piece of unity that we see in this section of his unity with the Father, and that's in verse 36. We've already seen now that... Jesus is a true reflection of the Father. He's in full contact with the Father. He's secure in the Father. He's in harmony with the Father. He's in submission to the Father. And now finally, Jesus is validated by the Father. He has the Father's, Father God's validation. If my witness was just for myself, it's not. You wouldn't believe it. But in verse 37, the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. And check this out. He also kind of points. He says, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Now, that makes sense. But remember, remember that at the baptism of Jesus, the Father spoke from heaven. His voice was heard audibly. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased or hear him. This is my beloved Son. A voice spoke from heaven. While Jesus was in the water being baptized and the Holy Spirit was depend, descending upon him, a perfect unity of the Trinity, even in the baptism of Jesus. <laughs> He's validated by the Father. What freedom we have to be validated by heaven and to be satisfied and content and confident in the Father's will. Just simple. I believe God is calling some of you back to a simplicity that you've long since left. Just simple. Turn over with me. Let me show you something in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. The early church, those early days, it was simple. Somewhere along the way, it got really complicated. And it's complicated to this day, I believe, in many religious circles. I don't believe it's God's heart, though, for us to be all complicated when it comes to relationship with him. It's very simple. And we see this here in Acts chapter 2. I want to draw your attention to verse 46, Acts chapter 2. As the early church is coming together. And don't think of this as just a group of 50 people meeting in a room somewhere. The church is over 3,000 people right now. It is growing and it's flourishing and it is a powerful testimony in Jerusalem. It's about ready to move out to Judea and Samaria and ultimately, by the end of the book of Acts, it's going to be around the world. How? What would, how did it start? How did it remain? Simple. So notice in verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness. And do you notice that phrase? Simplicity of heart. It was a simple thing. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Jump over to chapter 4 now, verse 32. Chapter 4, verse 32 of the book of Acts. I don't know that we can be too simple, church, in our relationship with Jesus. Just loving him, hanging out with people that love him, telling people about what God's done in our life, displaying light in a very dark way, dark world. Uh, It's amazing what God can do just through simple—we are the church. You know, I believe God's using this fellowship family to do wonderful things in the city. And, you know, we have big events and and we have things that the Lord allows us to do for outreach. But you know what's far greater is when you go back into the world. When I go back into the world, just me as the church. We're the church. And it's not just big events. And it's not just going from this event to this event. But every single day, you and I live with that simplicity of heart. A heart of thanksgiving and generosity. Look at this in verse 32. Verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. I can't say enough to emphasize the unity that's necessary in the body. It's very hard to make an impact when you're divided, when your house is divided, when your heart's divided, when your church is divided. It's not good. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they all had things in common, or had all things in common. And notice this. And with great power, the apostles gave witness To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. 45 times just in the gospel of John alone the word witness is used. And you'll see it used over and over again. And here's the thing as believers. It's not whether you are or aren't a witness. As believers we're all witnesses. The only difference is is whether you're a good witness or a bad one. A testimony to the faithfulness of God or not. Simplicity. Simplicity. But over time, spiritual roadblocks are set up that you have to climb over in order to get to Jesus. Over time, rules and regulations so easily creep in before you can get to Jesus. Rituals and traditions settle in, and religion starts to take over. And the simplicity of just loving Jesus and enjoying him and living for him and being in the Father's will is so quickly replaced with what we see the spiritual leaders dealing with here. Most, if not all, the religious rulers in Jesus' day had long left the simplicity of just knowing God and leading his people to him. It became all about them and their power and their own righteousness, and their traditions, and their lording over people, and more rule upon more rules upon more rule. Jesus even said it this way to get their attention. He said it this way in Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, this was a group of people that were really living for the things of God. The Pharisees started out so well. They were a group of people that came together and were dedicated to a literal understanding of the scriptures and a calling back of the people to the word of God there was a great liberalism among the Sadducees and among many rabbis of the day where the Pharisees said we are dedicated we are men of the word the problem is is that being men of the word they left the Lord and the author of the word somewhere along the way and it caused great damage so by the time Jesus comes on the scene it's the greatest rebuke out of Jesus mouth is always to the religious leaders the religious people that were not representing God in a way that truly revealed His heart. Listen, listen to these stern words. There's some of the saddest, sobering passages in all the Bible. Come back to, with me to John chapter five. The greatest, the greatest rebuke in this section is in verse 39. I mean, I guess it's a, there's a competition between verse 39 and verse 42. He says, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. I mean, they were dedicated to the Word. And yet, these are that which testify of me. I mean, think about this for a second church. We're a church that's dedicated to the Word. We're a church that's dedicated to a literal understanding of the Scriptures. We're a church that emphasizes the study of the Word of God. We don't just teach from the Bible. We teach through the Bible. We want you to know the word of God. It's God's love letter to you. It reveals his character and his nature. We want you to read it. We want you to memorize it. We want you to study it. And yet, is it possible for us to search the scriptures, thinking that we have eternal life there and that we're just all people of the word, but miss Jesus? You bet it is. Not just in the first century. Now, if you like to write in your Bible, circle the word search, and you could write next to it, Bloodhounds. <laughs> That'll help you remember the idea behind this Greek word is to sniff out and search out, just like a bloodhound or a, to, to go after the scent. I mean, very diligently. That's what search means. Maybe some of you are artistic and you can draw a little picture of a bloodhound there and you can remember. This is a good thing. This is, there's nothing wrong with searching the scriptures. You should. I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, in the old King James, it says this, Be diligent to present yourself—well, let me do the—that's the new King James. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The old King James says this, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I mean, you need to study the word of God. It's—yes, but never, never to the place where, well, you're just gaining information— I know a lot of verses. I can quote the scripture, but I don't know the Jesus of the scripture. That's a great danger. Where you know the word, but you really don't know the word. You know the word scripturally, but you don't know the word, the Logos, Jesus. His heart behind the the word. Spiritual growth and maturity comes through study. Taking time in his word. There's really no way around it. There are no shortcuts. Just coming to church is not what, it's just being here on a weekend or being here on a Wednesday is not going to do it. An occasional, you know, tune into the radio for a little Bible study, not going to do it. It continues on. It's a part of your life where the word of God is, you know, it's your life. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, this is my comfort in my affliction for your word has given me life. And studying is just one ingredient to a healthy spiritual diet. Let me give you four things that are really important for you and I to have with the Bible. And I'm going to give it, we're going to use an acronym. We're going to use the word READ, R-E-A-D. And each one of those letters is going to remind us of four things. It's not only four things, but four things that are very important with the Bible, that when you use the Bible, this is going to gauge how, where your spiritual maturity and your growth is. And so let's start. Number one is the letter R, and it makes sense that with the Bible, we should read it. Read your Bible every day every day treat it like food that you you know think about how much you eat all day you know you snack here and you've got a big meal there you got a big meal there i mean if you really want to get into it treat the bible like a thanksgiving dinner man and just gorge on it so that you're just all out on the couch because the tryptophan tripped in you know and just like whoa but read your bible you're not going to make it if you don't read your bible you're going to be a train wreck your life's going to be a train wreck if you're not in the word of god because where else are you going to answer life's questions? Where else are you going to decide what decisions to make? How are you going to raise your kids? How are you going to make decisions of what to do at work? What kind of employee are you going to be? What kind of single person are you going to be? What kind of husband and wife are you going to be if you don't know what the Bible has to say about your life? How are you going to know God? How are you going to understand what he thinks about things? How are you going to adjust your life to the God that created you if you're not reading the Bible every day? How are you going to be encouraged? How are you going to be challenged? How are you going to be convicted? How are you going to grow if you're not in the Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. Read and pray every day. Just taking it in. Just taking the words in. You don't have to understand everything. Just take it in and read it. Read it as a love story. Read it, the, the true stories. Read the doctrinal things. Just take it in so the Holy Spirit can teach you and grow you. Secondly is the letter E. Not only should we read the Bible, but secondly, we should examine the Bible. Now, that's a word simply to reflect the need for studying the bible where now we're not just reading but we're pausing and we're looking up words in the original language like like in the new testament i want what does the greek word mean i mean i wonder how many of you ever saw the word search and said hey i know what that word means i know it's in the greek because i i wrote it down here it means to, to track a sense to really go after it how would you ever know that if you didn't look the word up now you don't need. I have some very uh, fancy Bible software on my computer because that's what I do. It's the tools of what I do. So I mean, I can look up a word and I can click it here and I could take it here and I could find out what a hundred people had to say about something. But you don't need that. You don't need that kind of. You don't need that kind of software on your computer. There's a free resource, many free resources, but BlueLetterBible.org is a free website that you can use. That you can look up words all over. You can look at commentaries and what it says. You can look at different versions of the Bible. Where you're going through and you're pausing on a word. You know, recently the Lord just really impressed upon my heart, just, I, I want to be a better pastor. I, I want to be a better leader in my life. And so he brought me back to those books in the Bible that, that teach me how to do that First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. I've read First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus hundreds and hundreds, I don't know how many times. I, I could even say a thousand times. I don't know. That is a place I often go to so I can learn uh, how to be a better leader, how to be a better pastor, whether it's in the church or at home, it doesn't matter. And so just recently, the Lord just really blessed me because in my devotional life, I'm not just reading it, but I'm pausing, I'm going slowly. And right in the beginning there, Paul tells Timothy, he says, you know, I urged you to stay in Ephesus. Now, in the English, that word seems pretty strong, doesn't it to you? I urged you. It's almost as if Timothy needed to be pushed and prodded in order to stay in Ephesus, like he didn't want to stay. But for me, that that word jumped off the page in just my daily devotions. And I took out my little iPad, and I pressed the little button, and I said, I wonder what this word is. Do you know what the word is, urge, in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy? It's the Greek word parakaleo. It's not a strong word at all. It's actually a soft and gentle word. It's the same word that Jesus would use to describe the Holy Spirit in your life. So I don't see Paul in that section with Timothy pushing him to stay in Ephesus. But para, to come alongside, kaleo, to comfort. He's just putting his arm around Timothy and going, look, bro, you got to stay in Ephesus. They need you there. you got to charge them how to teach doctrine. You know, you've got, I can't be there, but you got to stay there. And I do believe there was some encouragement there. And I do see the sense of exhortation there. But I also see, hey, Paul, he just came alongside. You know, I've been studying the Bible for 20-something years. And that morning, I'm just like, man, it is so awesome to find something new. Just blow my mind. I'm like, wow, Lord, that's a great insight on Paul. Because the Bible says sometimes you're to be strong with people, sometimes you're to be, how do you know? You've got to pray. You've got to study your Bible. See what the Bible has to say. Go a little bit deeper. Find out the context. We're going to bring back a, a friend of the ministry here. His name is Dan, Dan Finfrock. He's been here before, but he's going to do an inductive Bible study seminar here. We're going to teach you how to study the Bible. And he's here a year ago. We're going to bring him back again. But if you can't wait, here's what I want you to do. If you're really interested in learning inductive Bible study and you can't wait for the seminar, then go downstairs or go to your Kindle or Amazon and purchase the book, How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It by Skip Heitzig. It is the simplest, most thorough introduction to inductive Bible study. And it'll show you that it's not hard. It sounds hard, but it's not hard so much of the Bible, how to use the tools. For example, if you guys have your Bibles, take your Bibles, open them to the back of your Bible, to the place where all those words are in a list. Do you know what that's called? It's called a concordance. So most of your Bibles already have one in the back. And a concordance is simply a list of words where they occur in the Scriptures. For instance, I opened up mine to the E's. So the word end, and the word endurance, and the word enemies. Whenever I tell you in a Bible study to do a word study... One of the easiest ways to do a word study is to find out where the English word is in the scriptures, and the way you do that is to find a concordance. Now, in the back of your Bible, you don't have an exhaustive concordance, but there is such a thing where every single word in the Bible is, is laid out in list form where it is in the scriptures. There's even another concordance. I don't know if you know about this. It's called the Englishman's concordance. Englishman's concordance. You know what that is? That's a list of where every Greek word is in the scriptures in the New Testament. And the, I think it has a Hebrew in it as well, where you can find every single use because sometimes you'll have the same English word, but it's representing five different Greek words. And so when you're looking for a God like love, you know, love has a lot of different Greek words. You won't find out what, which one it's referring to unless you look it up. But then if you're looking up Agape, you can go to your Englishman's Concordance. All this stuff is you can buy used if you like books. You can get simple software packages that have them. Um, but you need to examine the Bible for yourself, not just your pastor. I mean, I'll do what God's called me to do. But I'll tell you what, it'll be so fulfilling when you start doing it for yourself. My greatest responsibility is not just to teach you the Bible, but to teach you how to learn from the Bible yourself with the Holy Spirit as your teacher. He's my teacher. So that's why you where do you get all that from? The Holy Spirit. Same place you can if you just put some effort into it. It's it's not as hard as it sounds. And at your level, just where God's called you, there's a lot to be found. Thirdly, A makes sense for A, doesn't it? Applet. You need to apply the word of God. It's not enough just to have a lot of information, but you gotta do it, just like James said. Not hearers only, but doers of the word. So read, examine, apply, and then D, the D is the word diligence. You need to be diligent. You can't just quit and give it up. And put your Bible on the shelf and not use it. It's, you're it's, you're going to be a train wreck. You're not going to be able to make it as a believer unless the Word of God, not only are you in the Word of God, but the Word of God is in you. So vital. Because you know how it is. We've got the coming, you know, hopefully the Lord comes back before. But if God gives us another New Year's, most of you are going to make a commitment. To I'm going to read through the Bible this year. That's a great commitment to make. We encourage you. We'll give you start the tools. Read through the Bible in a year, and there you are. You jump into Genesis, and you go, oh, this is awesome, the creation account, and we're learning about all these people, Abraham, and you get to Exodus, and you go, oh, deliverance, and people are coming out, and there are a couple of rules and, you know, the Passover, but I get it because, you know, this is a people that have been in bondage. They need to know how to live with God, and then you get Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Forget that, man. <laughs> what is this all about? And then you go to Numbers, and you're like, all the names. But, you know, all those names. If your name was in the Bible, you'd read Numbers. Where is it? Because those people are important. And the book of Numbers is all about the wandering of the children of Israel and their disobedience and how God knows you by name. I mean, so much in Deuteronomy. So you've got to be diligent, church. You've got to be diligent. Anything that's worth doing is worth your diligence. And, you know, God is worth everything in your life. Be a diligent people. The time is short. The coming of the Lord is at hand. We do not want to be on the other end of Jesus going, you know what? Listen to what he said. Let me just lay it out for you. Listen to what he tell, that told them in their digression or digression and their backsliding. Number one, you don't have God's word abiding in you. Number two, you, don't search, you search the scriptures, but you've missed Jesus. Thirdly, you're not willing to come to me. Fourthly, you don't honor me. Fifthly, you don't have the love of God in you. Sixthly, you don't receive me. Seventh, you don't receive any, you'll receive anyone else but me. Eighth, you stand accused before the Father. And then finally, number nine, you just don't believe at all. And this was to religious rulers. People that, is it possible for us to fall into this downward spiral? Yes. Before we point the finger and before we sigh and say, how could they? We just really need to examine our own lives so that the word of god is precious but we don't love the word of god more than we love jesus the word of god is just a tool to bring us to into a right relationship with the god of the bible so we not only want to be in the word but we want the word in us and friends we love the lord more than we love his word we're in relationship with him knowing and doing and living in relationship because there is coming a day where there'll be a surprise group in heaven. Jesus describes a group of people that are there declaring all the great things they done, they did in his name. And the sad words of, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you, will be uttered from the mouth of Jesus. I never knew you. You see, Jesus, he wants us to, to major on relationship, to be in relationship. And the only way to be in relationship with him is to admit that you've sinned. Believe that Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of your sins and confess your sins to God today. And believers, how do we maintain our spiritual growth? Well, we maintain our spiritual growth through the word of God illuminated by the Holy Spirit. We don't become religious, we don't think too highly of ourselves. We, we don't take honor from men. We're you know, opinions. opinions are there, there are so many opinions, but only God's opinion matters. That was one of their problems. They were just worried about what each other thought. We, we, we have that problem at times, too. I don't know how much you do, but I certainly do where, you know, the Bible speaks of the fear of man brings a snare. Now, we don't use that phrase much today, but, but those that have a tendency to be a people-pleaser, that's exactly what the Bible is speaking of, where you're just worried about what people think, and you have forgotten what God thinks. Because when you and God are okay, when your ways please the Lord, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that when you and I ways please the Lord, he'll make even our enemies be at peace. But if you're always worried with this, and what does he think, and what does she think, and what about that one, and you're going to run yourself ragged, your life's going to pass you by, and you're going to wonder, what happened? Focus on the main things, church. Let's get our eyes, man, whatever the Lord's doing in your life right now, let's get our eyes firmly fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the Father. He loves you. And anything worth doing is worth doing with all our diligence, with great simplicity, trusting in him, being men and women of the word.
0: I like that acronym. Read. The R stands for read. E is for examine. A, apply. And D is diligence. As we do that, we can expect spiritual growth to occur. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor and part of our study in John's Gospel. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You know, Pastor Ed has written an excellent book, just perfect for days like these. It's God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We all suffer and experience pain, and maybe for you, that's been at an all-time high in recent months. Well, God stands ready to help us when we experience a troubled heart. Perhaps you've experienced deep grief or a painful trial recently, or know of someone who has. I know you'll be blessed and encouraged as you read God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877 30 Grace. That's 877 30 Grace, or order it online at calvaryco.store. Well, thank you for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace.